Hello, Amanda Smith here. Thanks so much for joining me on a brand new episode of How She Did It. As always, I'm so grateful you decided to come hang with us on the show today. So after this episode is over, before you leave, make sure you hit that subscribe button if you haven't already and leave me a review. I love getting your thoughts on the show. So any feedback is always appreciated. So this week's guest is someone that I'm truly obsessed with. She is one of my absolute most favorite Instagram follows because she has built this career and community based off of a message of authenticity. She's an ex division one volleyball player from the University of Southern California, who now works as a public speaker, traveling across the country, continually working to normalize the conversation around mental health and body image as an advocate. She also hosts her own podcast called Real Pod. We talk about all of that and more on this week's episode. I'm so excited for you to get to learn more about her and some of her journey. So here is Victoria Garrett. Okay, I have to tell you first off, when I got a message back saying that you were down to do this with me, I was like, wait, what? Like, huh? Are you kidding me? I'm such a huge fan of yours. So thank you for making time to join me on my show today. Of course. I was so impressed by everything you're doing. I also majored in journalism and I just love that whole industry and everything in the sports world. So I thought it'd be really cool to connect with you. Yeah, yeah. us calm people got to stick together, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So you're an advocate, public speaker. You also host your own podcast. We're going to talk about all of it, but I kind of want to go back to the very beginning of what was your playing career as a volleyball player first. Why volleyball? I grew up playing all types of sports. So soccer, basketball, I ran track and I played volleyball in middle school. And then naturally I just started playing competitive volleyball. I remember there was one year that I think a mom said to my mom, you know, your daughter seems like a natural, she should join my daughter's club team. And so um, my mom looked into it and asked me if I wanted to do it and um, signed me up. And then very quickly it went from like my first club team to, okay, now I want to make this team next year. Okay. Now I want to play for this coach. And I just kept like wanting to accomplish different things in the sport. And then before I knew it, I was in high school and I wasn't playing anything else. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, that's it. I'm good at this. We're gonna yeah. <laughs> well, back in 2015, you walk on to what was then the number one ranked women's volleyball team in the country in the university of Southern California. You're not on scholarship. You're not guaranteed minutes, but you ultimately become a starter. How did you decide to see if you could still take volleyball even further, not knowing for certain if you were ever going to see the floor? Well, I always knew I wanted to play in college. I was just a super competitive high school athlete and my brother actually golfed at UCLA. So I saw him continuing his sports career. And that also is what kind of opened my eyes to the Pac-12, watching Mm -hmm. his tournaments, seeing all the schools there. And for some reason, I just, you know, fell in love with USC. And of course, like throughout my sophomore and junior year, I was visiting different schools, calling different schools. But in the back of my mind, I was like, oh my gosh, playing at USC would be my absolute dream. But yes, I also knew playing at USC would mean I was maybe the ugly duckling. Um, But despite that, you know, I 
just, I still really loved the challenge and, you know, I got to know the coaches, they hosted me there. We exchanged emails and a few calls. And then eventually, um, you know, they offered me a spot to walk on to the team, which is actually fairly common. It's so funny um, in the volleyball world. And honestly, most college athletes, there's such a misconception that everyone's on a full ride. Right. So not the case. Like most D3 athletes aren't on scholarship. You go to these, even at USC, like our men's volleyball team had, I could count them on my hand, the number of scholarships to 20 guys on the team. Mm -hmm. Um, so being a recruited walk-on was fairly common, especially for my position. And, but that said, you know, I got there and it was definitely intimidating. And I definitely didn't think, you know, there were no expectations on me, um, as much as the other girls who had been like five-star top five recruits out of their different States. Um, but you know, I just showed up as myself. I worked really hard and I ended up finding a way to contribute on the court, which was, you know, beyond my wildest dreams. Well, being yourself is probably something I personally admire about you most, uh, because you've built this community around authenticity to you. What is the purpose of sharing different parts of your mental health journey in your story? So very publicly. The purpose, honestly, is just to normalize all of these different issues and these things I talk about. I felt so caught off guard, so lonely, and just really ashamed um, to have been dealing with performance anxiety or depression or disordered eating. And so to normalize those things, talk about them, um, kind of bring light and ease to those conversations as opposed to make them something that is stigmatized and shameful um, is really important to me. And that motive is really what started everything. We do live in this society where talking about your feelings is stigmatized as weakness when in fact you can't live this full life without being vulnerable. Um, so I really admire all the work that you do. Thanks. I appreciate that. I want to talk about your TED talk because 2017, you're playing volleyball at USC. You decide you want to submit a request to give a TED talk on what you called the hidden opponent, which is mental health and athletes. And that proposal is first denied. Why was it important to you to push back and say, this is a conversation that needs to happen? Well, I almost wish that I was denied right off the bat, but I got, I actually got, I got admitted to do an interview round and then another interview round. And then I got cut. So like, no, 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 wait a second. I didn't come this far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was like, I got it. I, I, you know, I got to meet the committee and kind of really start doing the work to, you know, I think some of the things were like at the next session show up with. Um, you know, the opening line of your talk, which was a ridiculous requirement because that's like the part that takes months to figure out. So, yeah. so like, I, I get, maybe it was a test, you know, to see like how creative we could be, but um, yeah, you know, I ended up getting essentially dropped slash cut from, you know, the interview process. Um, and it was a bummer, but to be honest, I like, I had to bring myself down to earth. I was like, Victoria, what did you think you were going to give a Ted talk? Like, come on, like, you're never going to give a Ted talk. And so I kind of was like, well, you know, this is maybe what I was expecting. So I remember just like kind of going on with my night um, and my day. And then I got a follow-up email, like a few hours later that said, actually, Victoria, we would love to see you. Can you come at like 8 PM on Friday? Like the last possible spot I could tell they were kind of squeezing me in. And I was like, yep, I'll definitely be there. And then that kind of sparked this hope of, 
they want to see me, but they're really not sure. So I really have to win them over. I really have to essentially sell this, this idea, which is my life story um, and let them know. I think it is really important. And fortunately I did that. Yeah. And then it's viral. (laughs) (laughs) It is crazy looking back at it It really is. Um, I always think about how that was so close to not happening and how Ah. much that would have affected everything I do now. I mean, pre-COVID, the majority of what I do is public speaking. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, was born from that TED talk. So it is a wild one. I don't even like to think about where I would be if I didn't share my story on that stage that day, because that opportunity just gave me so much confidence. It made me find my voice, even regardless of the public speaking, that is kind of what exposed my experiences to so many other athletes who then I met and that inspired me to post on Instagram. So it is wild how things in life can have such a long lasting impact like that. We've started this hashtag, hashtag real post. She's got merch. Okay. And I'm about to get a sweatshirt. Like (laughs) they are so cute. Anyways, back to what's important. Uh, and basically it, it is what it sounds like, right? You post unedited, unfiltered photos. What is the greater message you think behind those images of being absolutely authentic and raw? I think the message is just that everyone is going through something and no one has it all together. And, yeah. you know, I think it's just, I, I realized that people viewed me that way, whether it was people from high school or people at school that I was trying to prove something to, like prove I had my life together, prove I was happy, prove I looked good, whatever, you know, the superficial uh, motivation was. And so, and that honestly caused me a lot of anxiety and stress because I was waking up and pretending to be someone I wasn't. And um, I was just kind of tired of, living that way. And I saw what it was doing to my mental health. And so, you know, my rebellion was the hashtag real post. And once again, we go back to, you know, sophomore year of college, no followers, no social media presence. I'm, I'm not cool. I'm still not cool, but I was extra not cool then. And I just posted hashtag real post. And I kind of like, I joke that my Instagram was very like Britney 2000s. Like it was like a whole, I was just, you know, being very different. And then it allowed me to figure out, and then people started liking it. They're like, wait, I actually really like this, these posts. And then the Ted talk came out and that's kind of how everything started growing. I still see pictures of myself sometimes, right? Like I look horrible. It's disgusting. I want to edit these different parts of myself. I think we've been like, so manipulated into thinking that if you are not this, you're less than. So how have you kind of throughout time pushed through those feelings and ultimately reached what seems to be a level of peace within yourself? Well, that cycle that you just mentioned never ends. Right. It never ends. No matter how much weight you lose, no matter how thin this gets, how big your butt gets, it is never good enough ever. Um, that has to do with society telling us we're never good enough. That also has to do with the beauty standard constantly changing. You do this and get a big butt. All of a sudden, it's in to be uh, have a small butt and big boobs. Like whatever it is, it just never ends. And so, I think you really have to understand diet culture and honestly want to rebel against that because you really have to believe that there's nothing wrong with you, but maybe everything wrong with the society we live in and the ideals and impossible standards it puts on us. 
Well, you have your own podcast called Real Pod, where you talk about these kinds of things, talk about mental health, social media, body image, with all different kinds of guests. What is your favorite part of doing your show? Um, My favorite part of my show is when someone opens up about something that they never have before because they trust the environment of real pod and that time and time again has like moved me in such a way that like when I'm done with those interviews um you know I'm just sitting there like oh my gosh it's so cool that this person felt comfortable being vulnerable because of like what this show is about and I mean there are times where like I'm interviewing a guest who I think I know their whole story but then they come with this left hook of like something way more powerful and important than anything I found on Wikipedia or on their Instagram. And that is really my favorite part. And it's so interesting too, that like how you're talking about, you can't figure out everything about someone through the internet. You know, it takes actually speaking to them and having a conversation. So I love listening to your show. Big fan. I don't know how many times I'm going to be able to say that before. (laughs) I appreciate it. Thank you. I want to play a quick little game with you before we get to the fan questions that were submitted. You're a very popular person. So I don't know why you're shaking your head. That is the truth. Everyone (laughs) always thinks they're like a loser though. You know, like no matter how cool anyone thinks I am, I'm always like, but I know the weird shit I do in my car. (laughs) Yeah, but that makes you actually even more cool. So anyways, (laughs) okay. So this is maybe one of the harder games that we play on this show. It's one word. So I will give you a sentence or like a topic and then you can only describe it back to me in one word okay speaking in front of groups of a thousand plus people thrilling meeting jamila jamil empowering real pod favorite i'll say my favorite yes <laughs> your rap that you did surprising um I had no idea people would care that much (laughs) okay I've honestly listened to it so many times I'm like I feel like I kind of know it (laughs) I love that oh my god girl I'm gonna drop the ready (laughs) (sighs) I like the part that's like because as long as you're unhappy with yourself we're making money oh I know I love that part oh and there's no end game I think it like rolls so well that's so funny I'm such a nerd like that that day in my life was hilarious because it's crazy that that is like my job like to create content so I remember waking up that morning and seeing that trend to that beat and I like used to sing in in high school and I love to write songs and so I was like am I about to dedicate my entire day to writing a rap about diet culture and then I was like yes I am I absolutely am so when I actually took off online I was like thank god that was worth it because if I the day I would have been so embarrassed of myself no it's amazing oh I love it okay two more volleyball fun advocacy special yeah yeah wow you kind of crushed that 
Oh my gosh. Thank you. I always, when I ever am with journalists who are like interviewing me or whatnot, I just find that I totally remember, you know, giving a sound bite and like you, I studied, I, I did, I did sports reporting Annenberg. So I think in a way you're like prepared for these interviews from knowing what it's like to be on the other side of things. I'm so happy that we're like kind of friends in my head and that you knew what Girl, I was we are friends. to ask you. <laughs> Oh, okay, we had great fan questions for you. So I want to get to them before we're out of time. Content creator, she's got better things to do. Okay. So first up, we've got Chris. I was just wondering if you have any interest in coaching. You have a really good grasp on mental health. And I think that could be very influential for a lot of younger student athletes. Combined with being an XD1 athlete, you've got a pretty good foundation for it. I'm curious if you have any interest. Yes, I definitely would, but not now. It's just such a time commitment as much as I love it. And it's so fun. I barely even have the time to delegate to, you know, a movie night with my boyfriend because of all the stuff I like to keep myself doing. So yes, I would, but probably not until like I have a house and kids one day and I want to coach to get in touch with the sport. Maybe someday down the road, 10 years from now, five one. <laughs> yeah, who knows? But I do love like I do love popping into different practices. So I have friends who coach and I love showing up and helping the girls or like doing camps. So I can do places yeah. like that, but I can't commit to a full season for a, a team. I mean, they would like lose every game. I would not be able to help them. <laughs> it would be too much. Oh my gosh. Okay. Next up we've got Kat. And they would like to know. Do you ever get nervous speaking in front of large groups? Um, You know, I never get nervous in the sense that, like, if there's one thing I'm super confident in doing, it is speaking. And it could be like 5 million people and I can grab the mic and I can speak and I will feel confident. I definitely do jump to the end result. Like before I speak, I'm always like, I hope that they enjoy this. I hope this is helpful. I hope like I am critiquing uh, what their impression is going to be. And so I definitely can like resist doing that more often. But in terms of nerves, no, like give me the mic, give me the stage, put whoever you want there. Um, You know, I'm not, it doesn't get me like it gets most people. (laughs) Next up, we've got Tim. Hi, Victoria. My question is, what do you think is something people wouldn't know about you? Whether it's like a fun fact or something like that. Um, something they wouldn't know about me. That's super hard because I've kind of built a career off of TMI and all my secrets being on online. So I have rarely a few things. I'm looking around my room to see if I can yeah. find anything. Like, I'm like, no, I put that in a vlog once. I put that in a... <laughs> something they wouldn't know about me. Hmm. This is going to be the one that stumps you. I know, but this is good. I actually like answering things like this. I genuinely want to come up with something. Something they wouldn't know about me. Um, this is really random and not even a good fun fact, but this is a sad fact. But so I had a I really I had a dog named Zoe that passed away like a year, two years ago, and at the time I um, like obviously I was sad and I like shed tears. But I didn't like cry the nights afterwards. I didn't like do any sort of mourning. It was like we had seen her get sick for a while. So like we kind of knew it was coming. But recently 
anytime I see someone with a dog, I like just start crying thinking of Zoe. And this is like a two year old thing. So that's just been like really interesting. And I'm like, is this really because of Zoe or am I going through something right now? But, um, that, that's something you would know about me is that recently I've been mourning the loss of my dog. That Acknowledge that shit. Like we're acknowledging it. But like, I know that it's like, so not, see, this is, this is why that you guys, it is so hard for me to tell you something you don't know about me that I have to give you that fact. <laughs> Dogs are like family. Pets yeah, are like family. It's weird that it's been two years and now I'm all emotional about it. I don't know how that works. And then I'm trying to like be a therapist to myself and I'm like, did I suppress the emotions at the time? <laughs> right. Where am I feeling it? What's my thought? <laughs> oh my God. You sound just like me to myself. No, actually though. It's so, I always joke that, um, my therapist one time, you know, she was like saying all these things, giving me all these coping methods. And she's like, are you taking notes? I was like, yeah. she's like, you know, you're not in school. Right. And I was like, Oh, are we going to talk about this? This actually makes me laugh. That is hilarious because I can tell I'm similar to you. It's like, give me the answer. Here's the problem. I'm paying you. You're the professional. Tell me how to fix it. And then like you go in and they're like, that is not how it works. And I'm like, well, then why am I here? I'm like, why did I bring this notebook? Yeah. Why are you just, are you, well, I'm so confused. I thought that, that you were just going to tell me like, I'll do this, this, and this, and then I'll be a better person. Yeah. That's like a scene out of a movie. Like you walk in with the thing and the therapist is like grabbing the pen and paper, like put it down. And you're like scribbling, like put it down. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, okay. Last one from the fans. Taylor says, advice for someone who wants to play college sports. Oh, my advice would be to... I mean, there's so many different pieces of advice, but I guess like a basic one that is important if you want to play at the next level is like to be the best you can be right now and to, to, to train and put yourself in an environment where you can actually improve. So, um, you know, my advice for high school players is to, you know, try to get on the best team possible in your area, try to play for the best coach possible in your area, just really make sure you are improving and you're being challenged in your sport it's so sad when I see players who are like juniors and seniors and you just see like, they're so far from where they need to be. And it's not their fault. They're passionate mm -hmm. kids and they love the sport, but they didn't have good coaching or they didn't, they always played on the team with their friends and they never took the next step to maybe warm the bench on a better team, which is what I did in high school. So, you know, my, one of my pieces of advice would be to make sure you're putting yourself in a position where you really can be improving every single season in your sport. I'm so sad our time together is coming to an end. This is so lame. <laughs> Me too. Maybe I'll cry about it in two years from now. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. And then you can just reach out to me then and we'll talk about it. <laughs> Before we go, if someone is listening to this and can very much relate to what you have shared so publicly, which once again, we thank you for that. If you could go back in time and tell yourself anything, that you know now, what would that be? Um, I would just tell myself that you have so much more to learn. I think coming out of high school, most of us think we know everything and we're adults and we know what it's like to be cool. And we just, we have our lives figured out. And that was absolutely not the case. I'm so different from the girl I was at 18. There's so much more I had to learn. Um, I'm so different. And so 
you know, going back, I would just tell my younger self to take a deep breath, be open to learning and know that, you know, there's going to be lots of change coming in your life, but that's normal. I like to end the show asking this question because I think that it is important to recognize the accomplishments that we ourselves have achieved. So Victoria, what is something you are proud of yourself for? Oh my gosh, this is something I've actually been trying to do with myself in my life because I am like always looking at the next thing. I'm like, I steamroll over all my accomplishments. I even like get to the point where I don't tell my parents things. Like my parents were like, you're going to be on Access Hollywood. And I was like, yeah, I just thought you wouldn't care because like, I just got to that place where like, I don't get, I don't ever sit back and, you know, clap for myself. So yeah. Okay. I will actually think of something I'm proud of. you to clap right now. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to actually think of a really genuine one that will help me carry me through the rest of my day. Hmm. I love that. I, you know what? I am proud that I'm an entrepreneur and I am self-employed and I'm comfortable doing that. I think a lot of times people will always question like, what do you do? And like, I think it's so like, if someone told you they worked in like sales no parents would be like, so do you like make money doing sales? But like with what I do, I always get these like condescending comments. And, you know, I I just think I'm proud of myself that I'm 23 and I'm pursuing something I love and I'm able to do that. So yeah. And it took hard work to be able to do that. So that is my probably proud slash gratitude-esque thought for the day. Girl, I love it. Like I mentioned earlier, you have helped me just by seeing how comfortable you have become in your own skin and and sharing different parts of your story. I think it inspires not just me, but so many other people to do the same. So thank you for your willingness to share that. And thanks for joining me on the show today. Thank you. I appreciate it. And all the kind words really mean so much to me. And I wish you the best in what you're doing. It's obviously clear you're so skilled at interviewing and reporting and everything in the (laughs) broadcast world. So big things for you, babe. Coming from you, my day, that's what I'm going with through the rest of my day, you know? <laughs> oh, thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. For Victoria Garrick, I'm Amanda Smith. We'll catch you next time.